This podcast is part of the Podbelly Network. Please visit podbelly.com to see a complete listing of all of our other shows. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Polly and their dog Ninja. Hey guys, welcome to episode 240 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. Hey, guess what? What? Chicken butt. Oh, Jesus Christ. Sorry. <laughs> <sighs> hey guys, love ya. <laughs> I love you too. Anyways, I'm excited about this. This is episode 240. And I want to say a big thank you before we say anything else tonight. We hit 10 million downloads and I don't, I couldn't be more speechless, to be honest with you. Yeah. This this is something that, like I said, when we started this thing and people told us if we got 70 downloads a week, we were killing it. <laughs> and and, it, and that's not a lie. No, most, it's not. As most of you out there who run podcasts realize getting listeners is extremely hard. Doesn't even matter sometimes how good your show is. I, we've had some great shows come on here as interviews mm-hmm. that were only getting 50, 60, 70 listens a week. Mm-hmm. And their show was fantastic mm-hmm. as far as ta- uh, uh, just the way it was produced and the content and everything about it. So it's it really is the key. And we've been fortunate enough to be able to, to be on some pretty big shows. Uh, obviously, History Goes Bump has, has been huge for us. Tony and Jenny over at Real Ghost Stories Online and Jim Harold, Those three have boosted us so much that we will never be able to say thank you enough. Yes, you guys are amazing. And we are still just cannot get over the support and that we've had over these last four years and we just cannot thank you guys enough we look forward to doing the shows every week and you know you guys have really blessed us for sure yes absolutely we want to say a big thank you also to all of our military and civil servants all over the world no matter which country we represent thank all of you for doing what you do yeah you guys are i say it every week you guys are angels to us and you know, we pray for your all safety and we thank you for protecting us every day. And, you know, all the frontline workers, especially, you know, you've been working your butts off and we just can't thank you guys enough. All right, Tracy, it's you see it every day. We see it in a group. Uh, we've seen it through personal messages. People are struggling right now in general. Um, some people are struggling financially. Some people are struggling uh, mental health wise, but it all takes a toll on somebody mentally. And we just want to make sure that everybody knows that you've got somebody to turn to. If you feel like that you're neglected or you feel like you don't have anybody, that's just your mind playing tricks on you. You have people. You just don't realize it. Don't give in to what your mind is telling you. You've got friends. You've got family members. You've got us. You've got the group. 5,000 people strong that are willing to jump in your corner as soon as you've got an issue. Uh, so just go to Hillbilly Horror Stories uh, group on Facebook and jump in there if you need some support. And Tracy, where else could they turn to? You all can call the hotline number at 800-273-8255, or you can text them at 741-741. And also, we'd like to send out our prayers to Texas and everybody that's going through this terrible winter thing. Um, It's terrible. Just try to hang in there. Spring's not far off, and... Warmer weather's coming, so, but we just wanted to say we've been thinking about you guys, and um, if there's anything we can do, supplies or whatever that anybody needs, we'll be glad to help you out on that. So, you guys stay safe, and like Jerry said, we got we are always here for you guys if you just need to talk um, any time of day. Just give us a call. And also, if you want to reach out to, to someone that's a little more uh, professionally equipped for this, Talkspace.com. Use the code Hillbilly. You'll get a hundred dollars off your first month. It's another option for you. It is yes. online counseling, and like I said, we don't have a full commercial for them. But I just wanted to make sure we brought them up. Absolutely, Tracy. We got a cool episode 
Good. We're going to visit uh, a place that most people probably are unaware of in Savannah. And we've got Lindsay and Lisa Estes from Your Haunted Holiday on. They were oh, on our, cool. our live shows that we did on Facebook. Mm-hmm. We did Facebook Live. And now they're actually going to be back on the show to be able to hear a, a little more of them. Well, good. So, I enjoyed that. All right. So let's jump into this, shall we? We shall. So we've often talked about Savannah, and we, we've done some episodes on, on a few of the places that everybody knows, like the Pirate's House, which we had the luxury of going to. Obviously, Bonaventure Cemetery, we also went to, and Moon River Brewery, which I shamelessly just got out in front of and took a picture of. <laughs> yeah. Because we were rushed on time that day. That's right, we were. There are several big ones, and we're going to eventually do a lot more of the places there. Uh, the Davenport House, Kehoe House, the 1790 Inn is definitely on the list. And trust me, most are going to be some of our better stories. Mm-hmm. But you can only stick in, you know, we could we could stay in Savannah for literally half the year if we wanted to. Easy. Here's the thing. Savannah is listed as the most haunted city by so many people. It's amazing. Now, I know that steps up for debate. But... Most people do consider it the most haunted city. And the reason being, think about this. Ghost City Tour, which is one of the bigger tours there in the the city, they list on their website 37 of the most haunted places in Savannah. Okay? Mm Mm-hmm. That list doesn't even include the Sorrel Weed House. The Sorrel? Sorrel Weed House. Oh, okay. Which most people would probably, if you was to say, hey, name all the haunted places in Savannah... That one probably is going to come up at, almost inevitably in everybody's first five, six, seven places. It didn't even make the top 37 on Gold City Tours list. Oh, dude, now that's kind of creepy. There that There's that many more right. big, bigger stuff out there, I guess. And that's the whole thing. We could name this the most haunted city just on the big name places. Mm-hmm. But much like Atchison, what really makes this place kind of pop are the places that most people don't even know about. There are so many hauntings that in that city that most people have probably never heard of, mm-hmm. combined with all the big ones. That's why. And like I was talking to Justin Rimmel, we did a live thing. There's a new app called Stereo. Uh, if you haven't got it, get it on your phone. It's cool because podcasters can just team up mm-hmm. and do like a little live thing, and you can send in your voice clips like you can press a button and record a question and then it comes through and we see the question and we play your recording oh. or you can even make a telephone call oh, that's and cool. talk live what do you look like avatars or something? yeah it's avatars we have just the avatar and then like if i'm speaking my mouth is moving on the avatar <laughs> and like my, my my picture and justin's were next to each other uh-huh. so when he talked his mouth would move when i would talk yeah my mouth so like you were like really there cartoon like yeah. having a car or having a conversation yeah so like we didn't have to get all prettied up or nothing which i'm sure justin was pretty well up I mean, you know he is you know. come on now but i didn't have to worry about what i look like or what the background looked like or well, that's, the lighting that's or pretty any cool. of that stuff. yeah so it's really cool. We liked it. And it's just starting out. It's a new app. New so thing. It's like there's a lot of famous people. I was listening to Jeffrey Ross from, mm-hmm. you know, all the, uh, what do you call those things? Roasts, celebrity roasts oh, yeah. and stuff. I was listening to him on there and with somebody else. And it's like there was only 90 people listening at the time because it's so new. People, it's only, I think it's only been for like two weeks or something. So, yeah. So jump on that. Go to Stereo, find the app called Stereo, and then add Hillbilly Horror. That's our name on there. And then we'll occasionally jump on and just do something mm-hmm. and just out of the blue. How fun. All right. So, like I said, we talked about some of the bigger names out there. Now I want to talk about uh, a house that's located at 507 East Julian Street. Okay. I say this because it's just a regular house, unlike some of the big mansion-type houses that are now museums and hotels and such like that, which I think this one actually may actually be a museum now. Oh, really? But I'll double-check that because it wasn't through most of the research I did, but, you know, some of this stuff was a couple years old. Okay. Anyways, the house is affectionately known by locals as That House. <laughs> now, how haunted do you have to be in a city like Savannah to be known as that house? Yeah, that's scary enough in its own. 
Its official name is the Hampton Lily Bridge Home, and it was built in 1796. It's a nice four-story Amityville-type house. Mm. Now, when I say that, most people would probably say, well, that's odd. Amityville, that's like a giant Cape Cod. That yeah. You're, that's not what you expect to see in the South. That's what you would see up in the Northeast. So that's the first weird thing about it. But in the back of this house is a garden with a handmade brick wall. That's normal, right? Big brick wall. I mean, in general, you see brick walls. And so. What's different about this one, though, is on top of this old, or this old brick wall is shards of glass that's to discourage people from trespassing or breaking in. What in the world? <laughs> that is extreme. Oh, and this house had an exorcism in it. So <gasps> It did? Yeah. So I mentioned that the home looked like an Amityville-style home, which is, like I said, out of place for the South. This is because the builder, Hampton Lilybridge, was from Rhode Island, and that style of house reminded him of his childhood, and that's why he wanted to build it there. After Lilybridge died, his wife remarried a gentleman by the name of Joseph Grant. Now, Grant decided that he was going to sell the house for $25,000. The house is one of the few 18th century houses that survived the Great Fire of 1820. That fire lasted 36 hours and destroyed 463 homes. Man. Which, when you figure 1820, that's a lot of houses. Yeah. Because it probably wouldn't, you know, that same area... Probably would be three times the houses now. Does this sound stupid? How would they put the fires out back then? Um, they had pump trucks. Okay. I mean, I don't know if they had 1820s. I don't know if they had vehicles back then. I really don't know the answer. I know as they started some, as soon as they started having automobiles and stuff like that, they would have trunks, uh, mm-hmm. trucks that would have water tanks on them and they would send those out and spray but there was like very few of them yeah. and like you had to do it bucket by bucket <laughs> yeah and it, and probably that was the case back then oh which my is gosh. why everything burnt yeah and and in That's a lot really of these sad. places why there were so many fires mm. you would think that they would have probably decided way before they did to start building these houses and buildings out of like more of a brick or yeah. stone or something with all the fires that happened uh-huh, all over the place uh-huh. and burnt down entire cities Well, that's true. So, that's a good question. I really don't know, and we'll do some research on that after the show. The house spent time as a boarding house for a while, and it was obviously a private residence for several years, but over over a period of time, though, it did become vacant for a spell. That was until 1963, Jim Williams bought the home. Now, Jim was very well known in the area. He was an antiques dealer. He was a decorator, an artist. The area respected him, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Well, dang, that's a long time for that house to stay vacant. Well, it didn't stay vacant that whole time. Oh, it I was, was going to say, too. For a period of time. Okay. Now, it was a boarding house and everything way before that. Okay. Jim Williams would go on to become a little more famous for a different reason in May of 1981. This is when Jim Williams shot and killed 21-year-old Daniel Hansford in the Mercer house that he was currently living in. Hansford and Williams had been having a relationship that uh, apparently went sour. One thing led to another, and the shooting happened. This was the basis for the book Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil and the 1997 movie of the same name. Now, we've covered this. I, I posted this the other day. We've covered this entire story in an episode, and I have no clue what episode it was. Mm-hmm. I went back and looked at all the Savannah stories we did. Not there, and I think it may have been a Patreon episode. I'm not sure, Mm -hmm. but I know we covered the entire story Mm -hmm. of what happened there. So let's get back to this house, though. In fairness, Jim Williams was huge in the renovation period of Savannah. There was uh, this period here. He had, they they went through a whole renovation process where a lot of the old buildings were were bought and restored, Mm -hmm. and he basically spearheaded all that stuff. He bought and restored several properties, uh, and I think it was, if I remember right, over 30 properties that he bought and had restored himself. Wow. And the Lily Bridge was one of these. The overall restoration project won a national attention, and the downtown area became the largest urban historical landmark area in the country. Nice. When Williams bought the house, it was four blocks away on East Bryan Street. There was a similar house right next door. Both were ready to be moved, but the house 
that was next door collapsed, killing one of the workmen. Hmm. That's not a good way to end your day. No. Some think that this may have been an omen. The Lilybridge home definitely had some dark history. Back when it was a boarding house, a sailor hung himself from a knob of a high brass headboard that was in one of the upstairs bedrooms. Strange things started to happen in the house as soon as restoration began at the new location. The workers started talking amongst themselves about strange noises that they were hearing. They would hear footsteps and sometimes even voices. They always had the feeling that they were uh, being watched and somebody else was in the house besides themselves when they were working there. William said that half the time the workers were listening for noises instead of actually working. <laughs> sometimes the unexplained events became so bad that it would chase them into the streets. Oh my gosh, to wonder they ever got the thing done. <laughs> One evening, William and some friends were walking around on the second floor of the vacant building. Everyone noticed the sound of what, what seemed like workmen all around them. So they went down to every level of the house, but they were the only ones in there. When they got to the widow's walk part of the roof, the sounds appeared to be coming from below them. But these were empty rooms that they had just been into. So how about that? They're doing that Scooby-Doo thing. Yeah. <laughs> On a different occasion, when Williams was out of town, some of his friends were walking through the house. They were on the first floor. They heard noises coming from upstairs. One of the men went up to kind of investigate, see what was going on, but he didn't return. And they thought, well, something may be up. So the others went to go look for him. He didn't return like ever? Well, or that day? That, 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 that time. They're still in the house. Oh, They didn't uh -oh. just leave him. <laughs> so they went up to investigate, and they found that the man was lying face down on the floor. He told them that it was like he had walked into a pool of cold water and was being overpowered. He said it was drawing him closer and closer towards the 30-foot drop of the unfinished chimney <gasps> shaft. He fell to the floor to try to escape whatever it was that was pulling him towards the hole. That is so scary. <laughs> a little later, the same group of men were outside across the street, and they heard a woman scream twice. It sounded as if shit was coming from inside the house. They look up, and they see a tall, dark-haired man in a suit standing on the third floor in the window. Dude. And obviously they knew there was nobody in the house because right. they just came from the house. Right. On another occasion, a gray-haired man wearing a gray suit and a white tie was seen in the, in the house. Gray suit with a white tie? Yeah, that seems a little odd for me, yeah. too, for the time. Yeah. Williams eventually moves into the home. He was awoken several times by the sound of footsteps around the bed. He said it sounded like people were just, like, walking around on either sand or broken glass. One time, he was speaking to a police officer that was actually inside the house. And this loud crash came from upstairs in a room where only a pipe organ was being kept. Because, you know, I have a room where I keep my pipe organ. <laughs> <laughs> toot toot. <laughs> the policeman, he runs upstairs, check it out. He saw the door to the adjacent storeroom open and close all on its own. So the officer went to the door and it was locked. Jim Williams comes upstairs. He unlocks the door for him. But when he opened the door, nobody was in there. And he knows he saw the, the door open and close. One night, neighbors were awakened by a woman singing. It looked like somebody was having a party over there up on the third floor. They said there was lights going on and off. And you could see silhouettes of what looked like people dancing up in the window. When the people decided to complain about it and reported it, they found out that no one was at the house at that time. Williams was actually in London, and the other resident that lived there with him was in Atlanta. Oh, it was, what's his name? Who? From Home Alone. Oh, Remember when he had the yeah. silhouettes and had a party up in there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we mentioned an exorcism earlier. You probably thought I forgot. Never. Yeah. First of all, how dare you? I, I know. You would never forget an exorcism. <laughs> and there is no second of all, so... That was just the first of all. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. December 7th, 1963. 
Right Reverend Albert Rhett Stewart, he was a bishop of the Episcopal Diocese of Georgia, performed a rite of exorcism. It was a 45-minute Church of England ceremony in the partially completed living room, and it ended with a blessing of the entire house. Within 10 days, some of the phenomenon had started to return, though. Williams recalled that he had a difficult time keeping maids. He remembered coming home one rainy day to find one of the maids waiting outside under the carport because she was afraid to be in the house alone. Oh, man. <laughs> she said she felt the presence of what she thought was a masculine spirit in the house and the sound of chains rattling in the living room. Oh, yeah, no. I don't blame her for that. <laughs> Williams eventually moved out of that house and into the Mercer house where that shooting happened that we talked about. Mm -hmm. Williams didn't like to really talk about any of the paranormal occurrences that were happening at that house, but years later he did mention something that he had not talked about to anybody that may have held an answer to why there were so many uh, paranormal occurrences in that house. He thinks it may have been connected to a vault that oh. was found on the property. So when the house was being relocated, he was working on the foundation over on Julia Street, where the new location was going to be. An old crypt, half filled with water, made of a mixture of limestone and oyster shells, which was pretty common for colonial times. Remember, we saw a bunch of the walls like that. Oh, yeah, like we did. In, yeah, it's really Augustine. pretty. But the men working on it said that it was empty. And Jim Williams said... He always regretted not checking, but he was on a, getting ready to leave for a trip to London, and he didn't have time to check it out. And when he got back, everything was already covered over. You mean he didn't check in the vault? No. Oh my crib. gosh! No, I guess the I guess what happened is probably the men told him, "Hey, we found this, and this is the deal." And he probably never went over there because he may have been literally on his way to the airport by that time. Well, or maybe they found what was in the vault. They took it and just said, hey, there was nothing in there. Well, it's crypt. It would have been a body. Oh, well, that's true. Well, so, oh, that's true. So, but he thinks because he didn't check that out. That, right. That maybe there was something there and that's what was causing all of the paranormal yeah. activity because they moved this house right on top of it. That Well, that makes a lot of sense. So one thing Jim Williams was unhappy about was a misunderstanding between himself and the American Psychical Research Foundation of North Carolina. Jim invited them down to, to do some research on the house. He said he spent a lot of time on this, and he thought that they probably came up with about 500 pages of findings and interviews mm -hmm. after, during their time there. Now, he thought that the info was going to be available to everybody, and that was what the whole plan was. That, would, that information would be beneficial to know what was going on. Well, Jim said to the researcher... Well, I sure am glad that this information is all in one place and available to the public. He said the researcher just kind of looked at him like he was crazy. Mm -hmm. And then the researcher said, this research is for a book that I'm writing, and I have no intention on sharing it with anybody else. <laughs> so he was kind of pissed off about that. Uh, Jim said he didn't even have access to it. Like if he wanted to find out something that they found, he didn't even have access to the book. and And that was kind of... You know, ticked him off a little bit. Yeah. He said the only thing that he knows is they told him that they're, that the paranormal activity did seem to be genuine. And that, that's all the details he has of what they found out. So 500 pages of research and interviews and he has no clue what they even found. And I don't know if that who wrote the who was writing the book or if the book was ever put out or any of that. Well, that's frustrating. Because you got to realize this was back in late 60s. Yeah. So... People Jim Williams sold the house to didn't particularly like to talk about the house either, even though tour buses would actually come by and sit in front of the house and yell through their little megaphones, hey, this is the house where an exorcism was held and all that. Mm -hmm. um, the people kind of wanted you to realize, hey, this is the private residence and we can't really stop them from coming by, but we don't want people just coming up on the property oh, of course. check it yeah. out. Yeah, you wouldn't want that. They did occasionally, though, let in a psychic or an investigator but because they had children, they didn't want it to be, you know, in the spotlight or be public. They wanted it to be something they kept on the down low. They were still uh, kind of curious about the paranormal activity in the house, and they wanted to try to find some answers. And they, they've had their situations, too, there. So they've done a few interviews, but wished to remain anonymous. The wife and her husband, which the, who the husband was a doctor, they said that they first wanted the house because it was in a downtown location. 
They were not thrilled with the recent history, but the wife said that they just wanted to kind of make a comfortable home and they were willing to make peace with whatever presence was still there. So did, so they knew that when they moved in? Yeah, they, oh, knew, they, it was, did. they okay. knew it was haunted. And they they just thought that the, they liked the location and the house so much they yeah. just were willing to deal with it. She said that whatever presence was there has accepted their family and likes their children. Most of the unusual things that have happened in the house have been reported by babysitters, guests, and others that have been in the house, like work workmen. It's almost like they're saying that they're cool with the family that lives there, but not really anybody else who comes in. Yeah. Because the family doesn't see much. It's always outsiders uh-huh. that see stuff. So I wonder if the kids have ever seen anything. Well, she says that one of the strangest things that happened while they were moving, were kind of moving stuff in still, but they hadn't actually moved into the house. She said that they had a painter working there one day, and they knew him very well, so they knew they could depend on him to lock up at the end of the day. At this time, all of the windows were still nailed shut. The family had just uh, moved some items into some like a storage area downstairs mm-hmm. that Williams had had built to keep some of his antiques and stuff in. So they had a little storage area that was separate on the first floor of the house. She locked the door with a combination lock before she left for the day. She swears that she had a witness that watched her put yeah, this combination target, yeah. lock on. Uh-huh. When they got back the very next morning, the front door was wide open, even though the painter said he locked it, and the storage unit was completely wide open. Oh, my gosh. There was nothing taken. Everything was still in the house. But the strange thing was that it looked like the front door had been pried open from the inside. Don't know how to unlock a door from the inside. It was as if somebody wanted them to know that, hey, we're still here and we're going to kind of watch over your stuff. Whoa. Now, see, that's cool, though. Mm-hmm. That'd be one way to catch a burglar. <laughs> yeah. She said that for the most part, it had been quiet in the house until the family had a feeling of being watched one time. She said that she often heard the sound of furniture moving upstairs even when the house was still empty and there was no furniture upstairs. She's thinking that it's a feminine presence who can't resist showing off the house. Aww. A babysitter told the family that she heard some strange noises and the trundle bed that she was sleeping in was pushed. So the family, you know, they kind of believed that this was probably more to an you know overactive imagination. But then one night, the wife said she was alone in the house and she heard music. Music that others had reported hearing in the house. It was more than two instruments. She didn't know how many instruments. She just knew it was more than two. She said it started softly above her and then got louder. She said she didn't want to hear hear anymore. And she ran out of the house. <laughs> so then she was really disturbed by that, I guess. Because she was pretty much good with it, right? Yeah, she was, she was pretty much good. But I guess this was still in the beginning. So it kind of freaked her out. Uh Another time, she said she was uh, leaving the house. It was just starting to get dark. She went around. She turned off all the lights in the house. She got outside, and then she looks in, and every light in the house was still on. No way. These ghosts don't know nothing about no electric bill. (laughs) (laughs) She said she wasn't going to go back in the home alone, so she just left and left all the lights on. She said three different psychics at three different times have came to the house and said they felt a feminine presence there. They also didn't like the obelisque that was out in the garden, but she doesn't know anything about the history or why they didn't like it, but all three commented on the obelisk in the garden. I mean, why didn't they say they didn't like it? I don't know. I mean, I would have asked that if she had three different people that said it. Well, I'm sure she asked them, but I'm sure none of them had an answer. Oh, okay. Gotcha. She did say that Jim Williams told her that famed psychic Sybil Leak said that there was a woman there with children, but this didn't really seem to make any sense to her until Eugenia Price was in Savannah doing some research for her book, The Lighthouse. Eugenia mentioned to her that one of the main characters of her book lived in that house at one point, and she died in Savannah. Just a little background on this this bit of the story. We mentioned that when Hampton Lilybridge died, that his wife remained in the house, and then her husband sold the house for 25000 Remember that part? Mm-hmm. The people he sold it to was James and Jane Gould. 
and Jane Harris Gould had come to Savannah for medical care. She was getting ready to return back to her original home, and that's when she had to flee her home from the fire okay, okay. That, of 1820. And by fleeing the home, she ended up catching pneumonia, and she died. What a whooping. That's terrible. Her husband owned a plantation on uh, St. Simon Island, and his plan was to take her back to St. Simon later that year when Christ Church was to be completed. But a hurricane happened, and that screwed everything up, and he wasn't able to take her there. So Jane Harris Gould is now buried in the unmarked grave at the Bunch Harris family plot in Colonial Cemetery in Savannah. Hmm. And that was the young lady that Eugenia was writing the book about. Oh, gotcha. Well, what is it? I mean, that's just so many horrible things that happened in the end. So you said the house had a dark history. So, yeah, this lady, you know, she's there for medical reasons. Mm -hmm. She's ready to return back home. Ready to retire. And well, not retire. I cut that part out. Remember, I said it should have been returned, not returned. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. So behind the scenes stuff, I actually yeah. said she was getting ready to retire, yeah. but I meant to say she was returning home. But I cut that out, and Tracy went back to it anyway. Oh, duh. sorry. <laughs> I was just thinking that that sucks. Most people, you know, that do retire, it seems like they are retired very very short time. Yeah, I don't think she was up. a very old woman. Uh huh. So, but yeah, she she's there for medical reasons. She has to run out because of the fire, yeah. catches pneumonia, dies. Can't even her husband can't make it back home before she dies. That's really really sad. So, Dang. so what do you think about that particular house? for for a place that probably most people haven't heard of? It sure had a lot of it stuff a, going. On, it, it did. It had a lot of stuff going on. And that's the sure. thing. That's the thing about Savannah. There are so many places that are just like that. Mm-hmm. that you know, that place, like I was t- when I was talking to Justin about Savannah, I said there's just a vibe there. It, mm-hmm. There's like, uh, and I compared it to New Orleans, that when you're in New Orleans, there's just a feeling. You know you're in a different kind of place. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's just electric. Mm-hmm. And Savannah has the same feeling. It's just, it's just a, you know, it's not like New Orleans, per se. Yeah. But from a feeling standpoint, just the, the it, it just feels old. It feels... I don't know. Like I said, electric is probably the best personality. Oh, yeah. I felt very happy the short time we were there. So, yeah. And we can't wait to go back. I know. We're very excited about that. Justin's wanting to do a show there. Oh, is He's he? He's got a friend that's actually looking for a location there for well, us to good. do a show. So. That'd be fun. Well, we got to find enough time to do all these. It's hard to go for a, yeah. a week-long trip to St. Augustine, a week-long trip to Texas, and another trip to... Yeah, that's going to be... Now, I did tell him, though, we're going to be in St. Augustine on the on the... 16th so if he scheduled something around the 14th or something mm-hmm. like that we could probably do it but yeah it'd be tough because we got the lighthouse on the 15th i know that's that's Actually, a lot i'm screwing up the dates on it i said it's the 16th it's the 18th 18th, 18th. Mm-hmm. so anyways well that's what we got now we're going to take a really quick break from our sponsors we're going to cover some uh new show updates and then we're going to listen to lisa and Lindsay estes from your haunted holiday Awesome. All right, so real quick, let's talk about an addition to a live show. Obviously, we are going to be doing Galveston, Texas, and that is October 15th, us, Justin Rimmel. And we added to the show, there is a paranormal investigator and author, Gina Linnell, is also going to be our special guest that probably is the show. So she'll be able to tell us a little bit. She does some true crime stuff. And, oh, man, and she's that's going to be good. She's got a book, the new book, that'll be just be coming out at the end of the oh. summer. So it's going to be right about the time Perfect. we start doing ours. So she's going to come, and, and uh, she's a very fun young lady. We'll try to have her on the show sometime between now and then. Good. On the St. Augustine trip, we are still uh, working on some details, but Diane from History Goes Bump, obviously, it's going to be uh, Diane and Kelly and us. On this particular event, she is working on trying to get some discounts for groups for the lighthouse and for uh, the old jail. So as we get that on, we'll post all that. But that's the plan right now is to do the lighthouse on Friday night, the live show on Saturday, and then the old jail on that Sunday. So oh, she's man. working on discounts Fun for city. Group. Yeah, we're going to have a blast. And that, guys, that 
group has already sold. We got 60 tickets available. We've already sold 14. Isn't that great? Yeah. You guys are awesome. So, yeah, that's awesome. But it also means that that one's definitely going to sell out. So I would probably jump on tickets when you can. And remember, and go to our event page on hillbillyhorrorstories.com. You'll want to click on the event page there, and you can see Beecher's Lodge, which is where we're holding the event, and they've booked some or set aside some rooms for us. Some of these rooms are starting at like $91 a night. Mm-hmm. So that's a special group rate, but you've got to get it before two weeks before the show where the great group rate won't be available. Okay, two so, weeks. So like I said, we've got, we can, they can rent, you know, more rooms than that, but we've set 10 aside initially. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and they'll, they'll go really quick. All these are on the beach. My gosh, you guys, we can hang on the beach and have a party. And there's a restaurant next door that we're going to get something set up so we'll be able to all go to eat before yes. the show. Yes. And have 30, 40 of us in there. <gasps> so this is going to be a really fun trip. We've not done Yay. anything like this since the Atchison trip mm-hmm. where, where you've got a whole weekend full of stuff set up. So that's going to be awesome. Yes, we are so excited. And then, like I said, we, we're still working on Dallas, still working on Memphis. Uh, the snowstorm kind of wreaked havoc on that because yeah, bless I, their hearts. people couldn't get back with us, and we understand why. Of so course. So we pretty much course. gave it the week of not worrying about it, and we'll get back tomorrow and try to see, uh, get all those set up. Yeah. And the last show we got set up is Bobby Mackey's. Uh, that's already sold seven or eight tickets. Mm-hmm. And there's only 50 available there. And we found out that Bobby Mackey is going to stop by and pay everybody a visit himself. Isn't that nice? He's such a nice man. Yes. So he we're really building, is cool. Not only will you get, you know, us and the uh, Gatekeeper Paranormal telling you some stuff, but you're also going to be able to meet Bobby Mackey himself. Yep. He's a cool dude. Yeah. He doesn't come out very often, but because we've done so many events there already, it's something that he's going to do for us. Very cool. Yay. That's exciting. All right, Tracy, what do you got over there for us? All righty. Um, on our iTunes reviews, we have Garpman72. Fire, 1523, Smeghead, 0204, Hem Fan, 666321, Mojo Lobster, and T Dixon, 508. You guys really left us some awesome reviews, and we can't thank you enough for that. You, you all are so kind to us, and um, it just makes my heart happy. So thank you guys for doing that. And guys, those reviews mean so much more than you will ever know because... Just some behind-the-scenes stuff. We make our money off of ads, as you know. And we get paid the ads based on how many listens we get. Our listens go up when we get a lot of reviews. Because what happens is, when you you become the show becomes more visible. When people do searches for like Paranormal, if you have a lot of reviews, and especially a lot of recent reviews, it climbs up higher in the ranking. So people will see us maybe in the top three or four rather than 15th or 18th down the list. Mm-hmm. So by leaving reviews, you actually can help us increase the money we make off the show just by leaving a review because more people find us, we get more listens, and that's how we get paid. So they all it all corresponds together, which is why so many shows talk about reviews, reviews, reviews. That's how it helps the show. And, you know... Not just that, the main thing for us is just hearing that you guys enjoy the show. That is a that is a plus, but I'm saying that that it is a way that you can help the show financially without spending a penny of your money. Yeah, but it just makes our day when we see, I mean, all those reviews. It just really does. So I hope you guys keep on keep them coming, and I don't know, it puts a smile on my face every day. Yeah, I love it, especially when we get eight or nine in a week. You yeah, know, there was that is time, amazing. Our record is like 21 in a week. Oh, my Atlanta. Wasn't that great? Yeah, that was awesome. That was a couple of years ago. I mean, we were on a trip somewhere. I think we mm-hmm. were in Pigeon Forge, and we had just, it was awesome. Yeah, but you guys are awesome, and we appreciate that you take the time out of your busy schedule to do that for us. Um, our Patreon this week was Miss Erica Glenn. Thank you, love. We appreciate your support. As always, and I just can't thank y'all enough. So we're on the subject of Patreon. Something new for you guys. Um, and, and we thought about this. I thought about possibly doing it in the group, but it's it's something we're just going to do on Patreon right now. We have started to record interviews that obviously we're going to put on the show, but we have started to do some of these in video form. So... Like, I've got the first one coming up tomorrow. It's Stephen Lancaster, who's the owner of Norman the Doll. <laughs> Norman. I don't know why that that name <laughs> just tickles me every time I hear it. But 
he's got a hell of a story. It's like a 40-minute interview. It's awesome mm-hmm. just to listen about the doll and everything else going on. And we recorded this whole video. So now tomorrow we're going to release the episode. So all you guys are going to hear the episode. Yeah. But if you're a Patreon member, even at the dollar level, you're going to get to see the full video version if you want to see it. Mm-hmm. So that's something we're going to try to do in most of our interviews going forward is we're going to try to do video versions of them. And we got some cool ones coming up. And uh, when we get these, we'll post them on Patreon. So that's another reason to join Patreon if you want a little extra perk. But nobody's going to miss out on no, the, on the interview because you're still going to get to hear the interview. But if you're on Patreon, you'll get to see the video too. Yeah, it's very cool. He's a cool dude. And while we're on uh, video real quick, don't forget we have Hillbilly Dead Time Stories. That's our YouTube series. And you guys are probably hearing the episodes. But go check out the actual video. Those videos are really cool. And I'm not just saying that just because Jerry does them and Tim does an amazing job um, with his part. I mean, it's really cool to see the pictures and all that stuff behind the story as it goes. It's really neat. They're shorter. I mean, they're they're six and a half to eight. One of them was 18 minutes, but most of them are six and a half to like 10, 11 minutes long. Mm -hmm. So you can get through them pretty quick. Like she said, Tim does an absolutely amazing job on that. And in order for, we need to get to a thousand subscribers on youtube and we're almost there Mm -hmm. so i posted in the group this week to go subscribe or if you've already subscribed and didn't see this go find the post and i'll make it where it's you know near the top so you can find it post a screenshot showing that you have subscribed to hillbilly dead time stories and we're giving away a prize pack Mm -hmm. it's a hillbilly dead time shirt a hillbilly horror story shirt a book some stickers and stuff and a lifetime Patreon membership. Oh, that's really nice. So all you have to do is go subscribe for free, take a picture of it, post it, a screenshot, and then go there and post it. And then once we hit 1,000, and we're at 870-something, I think, mm-hmm, right now. Mm-hmm. Once we hit 1,000, we're going to take the people who posted on that page. Uh, how many we got right now? You wrote, was it like? Uh, 143. 143, and then we probably got some more to write down. So it's not even a 1,000 you got to worry about because not oh, all 1,000 no. are going to write It's just like on. a couple hundred It's probably going to be a couple hundred. But we're going to just pick, each one of you have a number, and then we're going to do a random number generator to pick a winner, and that's who's going to win. So all you got to do is go subscribe, screenshot it, and go to that and post it, and uh, I'll make sure that that's up there for everybody to see. Yeah, And you got a chance to win a bunch of cool stuff. Yeah, thank you guys for doing that, too. Again, y'all take your time out to do that, and we really appreciate it. So it's really fun. All right, Tracy, I think I've got that was everything I wanted to talk about. No, we need to talk about uh, Paranormal Kicks Cancer. I don't don't know why I forget that. Yes, Paranormal Kicks Cancer. It's a charity that we're involved with. Go to Hillbilly Stories. What's What's our name of our show? Hillbilly Horror Stories. (laughs) (laughs) Go to hillbillyhorrorstories.com and it's right there on the front of the page. You'll see an icon. You can learn about the charity and uh, it'll give you a chance to donate right there from the page. Once you go, you click on the link and you'll go to their page and you can donate. It's it's a great cause, guys. It's basically, it's a lot of children primarily Mm -hmm. who are suffering with cancer. They help to... help the parents stay in the hospitals or near the hospitals with the kids and help pay their bills and, and just help these kids that are struggling. And, yeah. uh, you know, sometimes there's, they do like a make a wish deal where they send kids somewhere for a special, maybe last chance to mm-hmm. vacation with their family. And then other times it's, it's, they, they bought a girl that had cancer and lost her sight. They were able to buy a seen eye dog for her. Yeah. So that's, that's the amazing. kind of cool stuff it does. And we're happy to be a part of them. And, but you can learn all about them just by going and clicking on the link. And then uh, if it's something you feel encouraged to donate at that time, then go ahead. But we really appreciate it. Good, good cause guys. All right. So we're ready now to listen to your haunted holiday with yeah. Lisa and Lindsay Estes. Bring it. Hey guys, I am joined by Lisa and Lindsay Estes. And for those of you who have followed our Facebook Live videos that we were doing back in the summer when COVID really took place, these young ladies were on our show and they are an absolute blast. We had so much fun fun with them on the live event. And I'm honestly, I'm a little ashamed of myself that it's taken this long to actually get them on the regular podcast. Uh, so that's 100% my fault, ladies. Thanks, both of you, for coming on. Well, thank you so much for having us. It is not your fault, Jerry. We're just excited to be here. Yes. 
So you ladies, what's what's exciting about your podcast and what sets it apart from so many others is you typically only talk about places that you've been to, correct? That is right. So a lot of times we talk about places we've been to. Sometimes, you know, we put out an episode a week, so we can't have gone to all these places. We'd have to be Oprah Winfrey rich in order to do that. (laughs) (laughs) So these are all places that we aspire to go. So sometimes some of the episodes that are more fun are when we've been there and we can tell you our personal accounts. And sometimes things happen with ghosts and sometimes things don't. That's just kind of the way things things go. But we really like to delve into, you know, if I were to go there, what room do you need to book at this hotel? Or if you're going on a tour, what should you expect to hear about? That kind of thing. So it's really all about haunted travel. And it was my vision that I created because we, me and Lindsay love to go travel and book haunted hotel rooms. And I just really wanted something out there that would be almost like my tour guide. Like, what should I look for? What room should I book? that kind of thing. And that's really where it came from. Right, exactly. I mean, it's it's your haunted holiday, because the goal is to inspire people to go have a haunted holiday, right? Go when you go to a city, book a room in an old historic hotel that's probably haunted. And we give you the roadmap to all these different places in order to hopefully have the best experience you can if you do go. You ladies also are twin sisters, by the way. So I thought that's that's kind of cool that you're podcasting as twins and it doesn't have anything to do with being twins. It does not. But we both have this fascination with ghosts because we've encountered things together. And, you know, when you're a twin, you just have a little bit of a different connection, I think, than you do with other siblings. And part of the reason the podcast started was she moved to Atlanta, you know, and we're so used to living so close and hanging out. And this kind of turned into a great way to bond and talk about stuff that we love to talk about, which is ghosts. Well, let's talk about some ghosts. I know you, you had total stories before on some of your haunted, most favorite haunted places to go to as far as activity and, and what your experiences are. So let's start, uh, we'll start with you, Lindsay. What was your favorite place that you've ever been to as far as uh, whatever just sticks out in your mind as far as paranormal activity? Yeah, probably my favorite place, Lisa's is probably the same, I would bet, but she can tell me if not, is the Bullock Hotel in Deadwood, South Dakota. Um, This is where we had our first experience with a ghost and what actually really got us interested in the paranormal Um, When we were kids, we were probably like eight or nine years old. We went on a family vacation to Deadwood. We weren't planning on coming across any ghosts. We, the last thing we were thinking about was haunted hotels. But as we were going there, um, you know, we finally get there and we learned that Unsolved Mysteries had just been there um, because the place is haunted. So we were just so interested, right, as little kids. And... um, of course, we ended up with this ghostly encounter and we have a whole, we actually have two episodes on this location because we've been several times. And it's just this amazing place. Deadwood in general is just a great town because there's all these like casinos and gambling. It's this great old Western town. Um, but you can book this hotel right there in the main part of the city, possibly have a ghostly encounter while also enjoying just a great little vacation if you wanted to go there. So that's my favorite place. I've seen a full-figured apparition when I was a child, and we can go deeper into that, or you could listen to the episode on your haunted holiday. Um, but also, we've been and we've had like full conversations with spirits via like a K two meter. So there's so much activity that we've come across when we've stayed there. Well, so is that your also, uh, Lisa? As far as your favorite, also. It's probably my favorite just because we've gone there so many times, although something that I thought was pretty unique, you know, we had been on a lot of different ghost tours and we've stayed at different haunted hotels, but we had not done a lot of like really in-depth investigative type of tours, like a lot of these big, you know, places like Waverly Hills or something like that. And we did last summer the Sorrel Weed House tour. Um, where it's overnight and they give you all of the equipment. And we did experience some strange stuff. We didn't see a full-bodied apparition, but 
I mean, it was a totally different experience than what we have done on just our kind of haunted road trip vacations. So that was just a really cool experience. I want to do a lot more stuff like that because I feel like you're almost, you know, a lot of these places, there's even more activity than some of the hotels. So when we do our episodes, we're trying to mix it up between the hotels, Bullock probably being my favorite hotel, and then Sorrel Weed House is a house, but you get such a cool experience and just so many strange stuff happened while we were there, which is what the goal is, right? That is the ultimate goal is to have something happen. And I know, I think Lindsay, you said something about seeing the full body apparition when you were little. And it's funny, I was talking to a paranormal investigator earlier that had been doing this for 20 years and said he's never seen, mm-hmm. you know, the, the holy grail of, of a full apparition like that. So it's some people just have that experience. And it's just so funny that you could just walk into a hotel and not be an investigator and see something and somebody who's looking for 20 years not see it. Absolutely. We kind of joke on our show that it's like whale watching, right? So you can go and you can do everything you can to try to have an encounter, but there's no guarantees, right? We just can't predict what the ghosts are going to do all the time. And but it's always an adventure regardless. I mean, we've stayed at the Bullock when nothing has happened essentially but we had a blast trying to make something happen <laughs> right so right. it's whale watching <laughs> for ghosts <laughs> yep what about your scariest experience is there is there been any time on any of these trips where you actually had something happen that kind of freaked you out a little bit i'm trying to think i i will say we've never come across something that i really felt was a negative entity we did over the summer, we did go to the Velisca Axe Murder House, and it's a place that we had been wanting to go for a very long time, so we finally booked it. And, you know, I'm sure uh, a lot of your listeners are very familiar with this place, but in the attic, mm-hmm. essentially, there is, uh, they believe that the murderer of this family is still there, and they believe he waited up in the attic um, for them to come home and go to sleep, for him to go downstairs and, you know, of course, do what he did, murder all of them, unfortunately. So we were in the attic and we were um, just waiting on, you know, we had the K2 out. We were kind of sitting around hoping we were going to hear a noise or anything. And my friend Megan heard a breath like right by her ear, like a, oh, right, which is super creepy. Um, and so that was pretty scary, I would say, just being there. Although I didn't hear the breath, I just the idea of that person being in the attic with us was pretty frightening. I don't know, Lisa, what do you think? I agree with that. I think that was a pretty scary experience. You know, most of the time I haven't found anything, you know, knock on wood, super terrifying yet. Although one of our next locations, I know you've been there, Jerry, is uh, the Sally House. We are dying mm-hmm. to go do that. So I'm hoping we get something really spooky at the Sally House. But <clears throat> one of the, a lot of times it's just startling. Like things that you are not expecting to happen, happen. Uh, for example, when we were at the Marshall House in Savannah, Georgia, which is a fabulous hotel that if you go to Savannah, I definitely recommend it. It's right in the heart of downtown Savannah, prior Civil War hospital, a ton of tragic history. Well, there is a room, room 414, which of course we booked and we stayed in that room and we did not have a lot of stuff. Like we actually felt like very comfortable in this room and people were saying, oh, there's the odor of death in there and all this stuff. You're supposed to get all these horrible vibes. Well, we didn't really get a whole lot of that. But when we were getting ready to leave, I had just, you know, packed my bag. I was looking in the mirror just to make sure my outfit looked put together enough to exit the room. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I heard this noise next to me. And it was as if somebody had taken their hand and raked them through these heavy wooden coat hangers that were in this armoire. And so I hear the noise, I look over and all of the hangers are moving. And I mean, we sat there and tried to debunk it. I mean, I didn't go out of the room screaming. I wasn't terrified, but I was startled because literally we were going to leave that room in less than five minutes. And 
I just wasn't expecting it. So I immediately was like, Lindsay, we've had an experience. <laughs> Run in here. <laughs> I missed it, of course, but that's sometimes how it works. <laughs> What's the farthest that you guys have gone for a, uh, a paranormal uh, adventure? That's a really good question. Um, not necessarily for paranormal adventure, but we have gone to London years ago. It wasn't really a meant to be paranormal trip. It was just kind of like a vacation. But of course, you stop at the the stops, right? Um, mm -hmm. So Tower of London is a big one where uh, you want to spot a ghost. That's that place has just got to be haunted, right? We say that a lot on the show. We're like, all these people were killed here right it must be haunted and there are is supposed to be a lot of ghostly activity there i would love to go back to europe there's just so it's so old there's so much um potential for ghosts that i i really want to go back to the uk and and do some real investigating there um, but we never did any real investigating unfortunately when we were in london Right. I will say Lisa's also been to like the Stanley Hotel over in Colorado. Um, I don't know. We've been to a lot of places. Usually it's a road trip, though, that we're we're planning. And sometimes we'll try to book something kind of like on the way to a family vacation that's not at all about anything haunted. We'll book something random um, like the Thomas House we booked on the way back from Myrtle Beach, a regular family vacation, and we had a really cool experience there. So it's just those kind of random things that we'll book. But, I mean, we we will sometimes go out of our way to try to hit a haunted location if we can. So let me ask you this. If you had to say the most credible evidence that you guys have come across, the one thing that you could say there is no doubt whatsoever in my mind that was definitely some kind of a paranormal or supernatural activity. There is no other exclamation. What would that be for each of you? That's a great question. I think for me, honestly, it's the full-bodied apparition that we saw. And the reason I say this is not because a lot of times anybody could claim to have seen anything, right? We were kids at the time, and I think what makes it so credible is what's strange about it is we both saw it at the same time me and Lindsay did it was in the very early hours of the morning our whole family was in the room but everybody was asleep except for me and Lindsay and when we woke up we both saw a man standing there we can both describe that he had this slicked back hair he had this mustache he was wearing a vest and suddenly of course as ghosts do he disappeared and by the time everybody woke up, me and Lindsay hadn't even talked about it yet. We had just seen it. We were kind of across the room laying in different beds. And so everybody wakes up and me and Lindsay are like, oh my gosh, we saw a ghost last night. And we were able to describe it exactly the same before even talking to one another. So the fact that both of us were able to do that, I think is really credible. Um, and just a really neat experience because had I been the only one that's, that saw it, I might have questioned it a little bit, right? Like, oh, it was early morning. Maybe I was dreaming. You know, what could have happened there? But my twin sister saw the exact same thing. Absolutely. It's ingrained in my brain, you know, what I saw. I can picture it just the, as the same right now. And the other thing that I think makes it really interesting too, this particular story is so the Bullock Hotel is said to be haunted by the original builder of the hotel, Seth Bullock, who was the first sheriff of Deadwood, South Dakota. And in all of the pictures of him that you ever see, he has this huge bushy mustache. Well, the apparition that we saw actually had a pretty thin mustache. And so me and Lindsay had been questioning that for years. Like, it must have been Seth Bullock because that's who they say haunt the ho haunts the hotel, but his mustache wasn't like it is in all these photos. And years later, on one of our more recent trips, we were talking to somebody who works there about our experience as kids, and we told her what he looked like and said, well, it must have just been like a younger version of him maybe, for example. And she said, well, actually, even when he was younger, he had a very thick, bushy mustache. So 
that can't possibly be what it is. And she goes, I have a theory that who is haunting this is his business partner who also built the hotel, Soul Star. And she pulled out a picture of this guy and I immediately just had shivers go down my spine because I, that was kind of that outstanding question that me and Lindsay both had for years. And suddenly we were validated even further because that was the guy. It was just so crazy that she was able to to pull that photo out and basically answer it was not who we thought it was. Nice. <laughs> you guys have been to uh, a few places this past year. Tell me about another uh, location y'all went to and what you found there. Yeah, so we went to one of my new favorites is the Foley House Inn in Savannah. Um, and we stayed there over the summer. We went just kind of on a like a during COVID, we decided let's go. We can kind of social distance and stay in our room most of the time and, you know, but stay outdoors, you know, maybe go to a few different places. So we went to the Foley House Inn. And if you don't know the story, your listeners probably know the story to almost all things, but the Foley House Inn ultimately, the woman that owned it, her husband had died and they were doing renovations. Well, in order to keep the house, she ended up, let me, let me think of what I was about to say. <laughs> sorry. Turning it into up, a bed and breakfast. Yeah. Sorry. She ended up turning it into a bed and breakfast. And one of the people that stayed there, um, well, the rumor is she had she she was on her deathbed and she says, you know, I've murdered someone in my life as she was about to die. She makes this deathbed confession. No one really believed her. They kind of thought, oh, she's, you know, on her deathbed, not really all there. Well, years later, they were doing renovations in the bed and breakfast and busting through a wall in order to expand it. And they found human remains in the wall. <laughs> right. And they call the ghost Wally, of course. Right. So right. they think that they have this kind of dark entity who wears a suit and maybe even a hat. And people think it's maybe this man that actually, you know, the story is that he went in and was trying to attack her. She hit him over the head with maybe a candlestick or some sort of blunt object. He died unexpectedly. And then she and her kind of handy person around the place, you know, ultimately bricked him into the wall. So they think his spirit is still around there. We stayed. I, I just... Savannah is one of my favorite places in general, right? It's just great. There's so much haunted stuff there. And also the food is amazing. Pretty much any restaurant you go to in Savannah has great food. So Lisa and I are all about that. Um, well, it, you know, and it's right also on um, Chippewa Square, which is where they filmed Forrest Gump, where he's sitting on the bench and mm -hmm. life is like a box of chocolates. So it's right there. It's this like beautiful scenery and all of this. It's also a dog-friendly hotel. So I was able to bring my dog, um, and she, I believe, saw a ghost. <laughs> so this is my story, and I'm sticking to it. I, I well, put, the, put the dog on. I want to hear from the dog. <laughs> right? <laughs> she can't tell her story, but ultimately, you know, we were sleeping. Um, it's, it's a really nice, really awesome, just cute bed and breakfast. I wake up around 5.30 in the morning, and this is a dog that sleeps. She slept, like, pretty hard. She's I would have to wake her up in the morning, right? She doesn't just get up in the middle of the night. I wake up to her growling, staring at the corner of the room at 5.30, which is not normal, not usual. And since we're staying in a haunted place, it probably was a ghost. That's what I'm going with. That's reasonable. <laughs> right. It's it's funny that you mentioned uh, great places to eat in Savannah, because as we sit here doing this interview, I'm actually wearing my Pirate House shirt. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, I love that place. They've got this like buffet lunch. Did you guys do the buffet yep. lunch with the fried yep, chicken? We, we, I did. Hey, I'm a fr I'm a fried chicken freak. So yeah, they had uh, they had a lot of good stuff there. So I was very, uh, very happy with the buffet. You can't go wrong. Agreed. I love all the little separate dining rooms that they have there. I mean, it's basically like a giant house. It's just, you know, and this bedroom is now a dining room and this living room is now a dining room. I know. <laughs> and it just, it's just, there's enough room to have what, five, six tables in there and most of them. And that's about it. Absolutely. And they have like the historian that'll walk you through and give you the whole history and tour and stuff there, which is just not something you find at very many restaurants. And last time we were there, Lindsay, we scared the hostess half to death because 
as you mentioned, we're identical twins. And she saw one of us and turned around and saw the other and about <laughs> had a heart attack. <laughs> and she actually said, you know, this place is haunted, right? And we're like, oh, we know. <laughs> Here's what I like about that place. There's a lot of haunted restaurants, or at least deemed to be haunted restaurants. But with that place, even from a standpoint of just a history, it's a really cool place because when you go in, there's like that, the little, uh, the older part mm -hmm. uh, of it that still got, it's still got all the old uh, the doors and stuff that are with it. And, and it's got all of the, some old furniture and stuff with it. And that's not a room you can sit and eat at. But it's still a part of it. It's almost like a it's almost like a museum within a restaurant. So you can go to those places and I know when you're in that little it's a little step down room and you can look out and see the little garden area and all that. And that's all part of the uh, original building from back when it used to be, you know, they used to grow vegetables and everything there. Mm -hmm. So it's I mean it's just a really cool place. It really is. And those tunnels, oh my gosh. I I would love to go down into those tunnels and investigate it. Oh yeah, yeah. Because that was they found uh, they found some bones or jars or something down in there when they were digging it out. So you can kind of look down from from above with some banisters in, into like the little pit area they got there, but you can't actually go down in it. So yeah, it's a like I said, it's it's something that you can't find at, at most restaurants by any means. No, it is fascinating. Well, ladies, it has been an absolute blast having you on the show. And I, I can vouch that your your podcast is extremely fun to listen to. It's informative, but you like to have a good time and you laugh and you joke. But at the same time, you're serious when you need to be. It's it's a good combination of fun and uh, history on your podcast. And I would advise anybody to go listen to your haunted holiday. And where can they find you on social media? They can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and we even have a YouTube channel. Oh, YouTube. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. We have a video that we put together. We're, we're much better podcasters than we are videographers, but <laughs> we, we have a video of just like little highlights from our Velisca trip over the summer that's kind of fun. Very cool. I have to check that out. Thank you all so much for coming on, and uh, we'll have to get you on again sometime soon. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Thank you. You're welcome. I absolutely love those young ladies. They are so much fun. Yeah, they are. They enjoy what they do for sure. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> so, so life's about, you know? They're going to try to uh, hook up with us around St. Augustine. They're planning a trip to Savannah and everything, mainly because we were talking about it so much and they said they always wanted to go. Oh, good. So they're going to try to schedule stuff around so they might be able to make it to the St. Augustine show. That'd well, that cool. would be amazing. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We appreciate everything you do. And I know we overloaded you with all kinds of stuff on shows and mm -hmm. patreon and all that stuff uh, but we try not to do that too often yeah that's true we don't like to do that but we're look, so looking forward to the shows and getting to meet some of you guys and you know just having a good time because we all deserve it for sure yeah it's been a while since we've been able to even talk about the show yeah so. yeah so, who knows maybe there'll be a little more still in store we'll see how things progress but we're hoping that covid won't be an issue by september and october with the vaccines and everything coming out, which is why we scheduled those shows back then. So, We hope you guys have a blessed week. We love you guys. And again, thanks for listening.